Ben's called William Small. We have exactly 22 minutes before you have another engagement. So we are going to just squeeze in a power app. He's a squeezer in. Yeah. Why not? And we have a guest with us in the studio today. I don't know if... Uh, is Cookie a he or a she? <laughs> she. She. Would she like to say hello? <laughs> she always wants to say hello she when does. she's not in the studio. Yeah, no, she's... She's content. She's content sitting on my lap. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, it's nice to have you here, Cookie. Cookie, what Enneagram number are you? An eight, absolutely. <laughs> she needs to be in control all the time. Yep. Yeah. With a seven wing because she's excited. Oh, absolute seven wing. Yeah, yeah. Which brings me to what we're going to be talking about. We've been doing a little mini series on the Enneagram. After this episode, we might go back and do some other general habit stuff. And I'm sure we'll come back to the Enneagram at some point because we obviously are quite enthusiastic about it. But we just wanted to give you two little tips for taking your Enneagram knowledge next level. Next level. We're going to talk a little bit about wings. Yes. And we're going to talk about stress and relaxation points. Beautiful. Sounds like a massage, doesn't it? Yeah. Stress and relaxation points. It does. I could go on massage right now, I'll tell you what. Same. Yeah. I think everyone, Zoom seems to increase the, the back and neck tension. Yeah. Have you experienced that? Yeah. It, it increases all sorts of tension. It sure does. Yeah. And not many massage places are open, right? Everyone's no. getting more tense but can't get a massage. No, and they haven't really gotten onto the, the Zoom, massage over Zoom thing. No. Haven't, they haven't innovated yet. They haven't. <laughs> they haven't. So, Benj, what's we're, this, we're um, wasting time, man. <laughs> we, we do not have time for this. <laughs> um, what it should be said that we are in the room together. It, we which are is very special legally. Yeah, we're not breaking any rules right now. Yeah, love that. Okay, Benj, wings. Give me the lowdown on what this enneagram wing talk is about. Mm. I've heard some people say that maybe that's their second highest number. You know, they do a little test and they're <laughs> like, "Oh, my highest number seven, but I'm very closely followed by a three. Is that what the wing is? No, Will, that's not what the wing is. It is important to know that um, we all have bits of every type in us. Um, and so there is, there is no um, – no one's ever 100% A type, mm. but everyone has a core type, and that is mostly to do with your motivations. Um, and if you can find that type, um, that's a good place to be. And then your wings are the numbers on each side of that type. So I am an Enneagram type 1. So my wings is, are a 2 and a 9 because the, the circle sort of restarts mm-hmm. again. You're a 7 and so your, wing, your wings is your 6 mm-hmm. and an 8. Now, uh, it is possible that you um, are so dominant in your type that you don't really identify with any traits of your wings. I know a lot of people like that. Um, I know people that are very heavily weighted one wing or the other. They're just flying in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> Lopsided weight. Yes. Yeah, it's not pretty. No. <laughs> um, Would you say that's the common experience that people have a strong wing? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm really interested in the wings as a, as a path for growth. So... Um, so, for example, I, I have a strong nine wing, but uh, in order for me to grow and for, for me to balance out, if you, if you continue to use the wing analogy, mm. for me to, sh- to fly in a 
in a beautiful straight line. Um, the healthiest thing for me to do is to access resources from both of my wings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your, your core motivation, your core type will be the same, but we get to access some of the behaviors and um, some of the traits mm-hmm. of each of our wings. Now, uh, there is, um, there's, uh, it's, there's some interesting thoughts around wings. I, I heard someone talk about, uh, one of the Enneagram teachers talk about the idea that your wings, your type is like the distillation between your two wings. And if you mm-hmm. look over sort of your life, you'll, you should be able to see periods where you've been more one wing and more the other. Mm-hmm. And, and your personality type is like this, like, like the oscillation between the two wings actually creates your type. It's the space in between. Yeah, mm. which, is a, which is a beautiful idea, I think. Do you do you buy into that idea? Do you does it feel like it resonates true? It does. Yeah. It does if I look over my life, but I haven't spoken to enough people about it to feel like I fully buy into the theory or not. Yeah, because I would be the kind of person at this point in time. Maybe this is where some of the work is for me, but I would joke about being a seven with a seven wing sure. because I just feel. I so strongly identify as dominant in that type. And, you know, some people it takes a long time to figure out where they, where they find their kind of dominant type on the Enneagram. And other people like me, I just felt like the first time I saw it, it was just 100% true. Mm. Um, so obviously people have different experiences of the wings. But for mm. me, maybe the growth is actually to do some deeper reflection on, uh, like you said, being able to access those resources. We were talking before about how, the Enneagram is like a map and it's interesting to look at a map and see places on it. But unless you're using that map to go somewhere, yeah, it's not that useful. I yeah. mean, if you have it framed and hung on your wall, it is very nice people that have decorative cartography in their homes, but it's probably better to use that map to actually go somewhere that you want to go, right? Yes, absolutely. And and your, your type, uh, your personality is a, uh, a set of coping mechanisms. You know, developed during childhood that you uh, started to use certain behaviors to get uh, what you needed to make you feel safe and and um, as part of something and, and get your core needs met. And uh, as you grow older, sometimes those coping mechanisms, uh, those same coping, coping mechanisms that we use are no longer helpful mm. as an adult. Mm-hmm. And so part of what we need to do is we need to grow out of some of those coping mechanisms, those automatic things that we go back to, um, our automatic responses, our autopilot mm-hmm. things. And, that, and that's why Enneagram is such a great tool for self-awareness. Mm. Um, your, your goal is not to become more like your type. Yeah. Your goal is to become more like you uh, in, your, in your truer sense. And so uh, working on your wings is like uh, adding a few more tools into your tool belt in terms of when a situation arises or when I feel stressed or when Mm. conflict arises, you know, all all these things that we go through through life. It's like if if we can build some more tools, uh, we have, we have a broader range of ways to react to certain situations in a healthier way. The coping mechanisms idea is really, I think why, why we talk about the Enneagram on the Inhabit podcast, because this podcast is all about the habits that form our character over time and the idea that we can adjust those habits to form a different trajectory towards who we want to become. And so in many ways, Enneagram types are sets of habits on default. Mm. 
the the seven has a set of default habits. That's what coping mechanisms really are. They're things that you go to out of habit. And so using it as a tool for self-awareness, I've heard you say as well, it's not an excuse for who you are. Mm. It's actually more of an opportunity to not just live on auto, autopilot Absolutely. and to, to change some of those habits. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. It's a map. Yeah. It's a map forward, not just a... And I, I hear that being used a lot. Like, oh, I'm I'm just a three. So I... Like, that's how I am, you know? Oh, I just do that because I'm a four. Mm. You know, I do that because I'm an eight or whatever it is. Where... Um, Part of part of the the power of the Enneagram is some shared language, some mm. framework around some stuff that we it's all very intuitive to ourselves, you know. And um, sometimes just the language or the framework actually helps clear bring clarity mm. to why you do the things we do. Um, and so I think, yeah, absolutely, it needs to be used as a tool for growth, not as an excuse for this is why I do what I do. Yeah. So one of the parts of the Enneagram as a tool that is helpful in terms of that journey towards growth is there's this idea of movement towards stress and relaxation points. Uh, do you want to just kind of, how do you understand that idea in a nutshell, Bench? Yeah, so every type has two movements to other numbers. Uh, one towards stress. When you get stressed, you can take on the low side of another number. Now, that's always the same number. So I'm a, I'm a one. So for every one, the low side we take on is Enneagram 4. And you can work this out by looking at the actual lines. If you look at the actual Enneagram yes. symbol, you might have wondered, why does it have the cult-looking symbol in between <laughs> the circle? Yes. And those are the movement lines. Yes, correct. <clears throat> um, so so when when I am stressed, I know this is, this is probably one of the, was the most helpful and formative things about the Enneagram for me was I was be able to catch myself and notice myself when I was stressed. And so when I'm stressed, I take on the low side of an Enneagram four. And so I can get a bit dramatic. Little things become massive things. Um, I can tend to do um, this just sort of strange thing that Enneagram fours do like this push and pull uh, sort of relational thing when people get close to them they push them away mm. and when they're going further away further away from them they pull them close and it's mm-hmm. like this pulling close pushing away uh, I tend to do that kind of with Mel or those closest with me um, and sort of get the idea that you know no one understands me I'm so unique that you know no one understands my problem right now mm-hmm. um, and so knowing that about myself means that I can catch myself when I'm trending towards an unhealthy thing. And I can realize, oh, wow, I'm making this small thing about how the dishes are done or whatever. And it's this massive dramatic thing for me because it's like represents a whole another mm-hmm. existential thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's that movement towards stress. And then every number moves towards another, the high side of another number in relaxation. And so I'm an Enneagram one. And so when I am relaxed, I move towards an Enneagram seven. And so I move from being um, rigid and uptight and really structured. When I'm super relaxed, I just become carefree. I become a whole lot more fun, mm. um, a whole, mo- whole lot more relaxed about details. Um, and that's more spontaneous. More spontaneous, yep. Yeah, and an important distinction here is that you do not become a seven or a four in those different spaces of stress and relaxation, 
you are a one kind of drawing on correct some of the resources of that number correct so so both with the wings and the stress and relaxation numbers you still keep your core motivations your core drives the reason why you have certain behaviors mm-hmm. but again you take on they become resource points um one of the really helpful ways i've heard the the relaxation point um talked about is uh as the part of you that was repressed in your childhood mm. and so that's actually the part of us that is like um almost hidden to everyday life and and part of our journey towards health is recovering some of those parts of us that were uh maybe pushed down or squashed as we were younger um and so moving in that direction of of health and relaxation is a really good really good path for growth do you have any insights as to how people can do that i mean i know that you can obviously, we're not going to go through each possible combination and each number, but a good place to start is going to a website like the Enneagram Institute. You can read all about the wings and in each type's just standard description, it talks about where it goes to in those two movements of like uh, stress and relaxation. But for you, Benj, have you found, is it just an awareness thing or have there been things you've been able to kind of put in place that help you to actually move in that direction and use it as a map? Yeah, so... Awareness is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. So just catching yourself, like catching yourself when you're moving, when you're relaxed and catching yourself when you're stressed mm. and noticing, pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's step number one. Um, step number two is realizing what are the things that trigger you either way. Um, so for me, I've got this thing written on my wall right now. It's a quote that says, things do not have to be perfect for me to be present. And that's because I know with my Enneagram one nature, I want things to be perfect before I can, um, I'm always work before play. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard for me to sit down and relax with Mel or something if I feel like I've still got a job unfinished or if things aren't right or if, if the house isn't clean, you know, all that sort of stuff. Which is very interesting to say that because my movement in the stress is towards a one. Yes. And so I can actually really relate to what you're saying. Because that is probably when I am feeling like life is more overwhelming, I get much more upset about little things around the house. Yeah. That in, in other times, I don't really care if there's a you know a few extra dishes around the sink or yeah. a few more toys on the floor. But when I'm like busier, that becomes this trigger point. So I can see that in my experience. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. And an- another thing that I've just started doing, which I heard um, someone talk about on a podcast, was uh, a life-giving list. And so uh, they describe that as anything that you do that makes you feel like a child in the kingdom of God, which I really love that idea. What are the things that you can go towards when you're feeling stressed, when you're feeling um, anxious or insular or you're withdrawing a list of things? Some of them are going to be free. Some of them are going to take a lot of time or going to be expensive, but a, a whole list of things. This guy had 70 things. Wow. That he could just go mm-hmm. and go, I'm feeling stressed. I need to feel like a child again in the kingdom mm. of God. I need to move towards relaxation and being more present. Um, and so if you could just collect over time some things, some practices, some, uh, you know, so I've got, you know, going for a run or getting a massage when that's a possibility again or um, uh, throwing the ball in the backyard with cookie or um, mm. having a beer, you know, like the, just – all, all sorts of things like that, going for a walk with Mel. You know, like there's a whole bunch of things we can do um, 
yeah, one thing that I think is worth even people thinking a little bit more about there is that often our actions are trying to reach a certain end point, right? Like we want to be able to relax. And so we might reach for an extra drink and that will that's kind of our way of trying to get to that end goal. Mm. But there might be another way of getting to that end goal which is actually going to be, you know, uh, long-term it's going to produce better yes. character. Yes. And I'm not saying don't have a drink um, but kind of actually asking, okay, if I have a choice in this moment, if my, my body is trying to move me to a place of relaxation, one option would be to go outside and put my bare feet in the grass or one option would be to hit play next episode after a little binge fest maybe that grass option is actually going to be better. Yeah. But they're still, it's kind of identifying. Often my my internal systems are trying to get me towards a certain point. Some things are more helpful in getting me there while becoming the kind of person I want to become. Yes. And we're all a bundle of habits and we have those certain things that we have the well-worn mm. path in the jungle that we continue to go back to, whether it is a drink or whether it is next on Netflix or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and part of that, part of the journey of health is opening up the range of things mm. that you could do. I love, I love that thought. That's good. Yeah, and uh, the habit thing is helpful too because I, I just read, you spoke ages ago on Inhabit about James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, and I've just been reading it, which is kind of the opposite of what we've talked about in the past. Normally I tell you about something and then you have a lag until you get into <laughs> it. This time I had the lag. I've been loving this book. I just add my recommendation to your recommendation if people haven't read it yet. Um, but, you know, he talks about... Recommendation stacking. Yes, like recommendation yeah. stacking. He, he talks about, he's kind of got these laws of habit making. He says make it easy, make it obvious, uh, make it attractive and make it rewarding. And so if you want to, if, if right now the habit that's easiest for you is watching another episode on Netflix and you're like, oh, geez, it would be healthier if I went for a walk, but it feels unattractive, it feels difficult, it feels like it's, you know, so much harder. He suggests little things like unplug your TV so that next time it's just one extra difficult step for that easy habit. And then to make the the positive, like the walking habit easier, you just set yourself the goal of I'm going to go for a two-minute walk every day. And I'm actually not going to let myself walk for longer than two minutes because mm-hmm. I'll get excited at the beginning. I'll do a one-hour walk today and then tomorrow I'll be like, I can't be bothered to walk for that long so mm-hmm. I won't walk at all. Yeah, I've loved that idea of just the simplest, smallest version of it you can do. Start there and then build the habit and then you can extend the habit. It's great. Good things. Excellent. So, Benj, what can people do next in terms of um, their journey with wings and those kind of stress and relaxation points? What would be your next step for people wanting to go a bit deeper with that stuff? Yeah, I I would just go to Enneagram Institute. If you don't know your wing, if you don't know the numbers next to yours very well or if you don't know where you go in stress and relaxation, um, and then, you know, journal, journal around, you know, today I was really stressed and this is what, what behaviors came out today. I was really relaxed and in the moment, this, these are what behaviors came out and you, you begin to tell and see, just notice what you're noticing, pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Um, I think that that is the, the best first step. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Benj. Thank you, Cookie, for your very valuable contributions to this conversation. I hope you move a little bit more into your seven and nine wings yes. and a little bit more into your five. Oh, no, no, wait. That's where I would go as a seven. Where do eights go in in their kind of relaxation? Uh, two. Two. 
Oh, so Cookie yes. become will a go to become more more loving and yes. thoughtful to those around her. Like she has been not barking during this whole interview. Wonderful. Benj, any final thought? None at all. Cool. <laughs> See you, everyone. Hey, go give us a, a rating on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done that. I know that, look, I'm going to, people say this to me on podcasts all the time. They say, yeah, go give us a rating and a review. And I don't do it as a listener, but as a creator, I really want you to go and do it. So just come on. It's not that hard. It's going to take you 30 seconds. If you've got an Apple device, you have no excuse. If you've got an Android device, you do have an excuse. But I mean, why do you have an Android device? What's your excuse for that? (laughs) Catch you next time. See ya.